Welcome back to the Holy Shift Podcast, episode six, right? Six. Losing track. Yeah. We lost a couple followers after the uh, college football playoff joke. Yeah. <laughs> Was it the playoff joke or the tithing episode? Yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> but we're back with another episode regardless. Maybe we can replace those two followers. What are we talking about today? All right. Today, we're going to start a series of podcasts and we're not going to do them back to back but we just want to start um, a series that we're going to call bad stuff in the good book and each time we do this we will talk about different passages in scripture and we'll just see uh we'll have conversation about them and just to start us off um I just want to start off by saying we're not trying to, we, and we've said this over and over, but we're not in any way trying to harm someone's faith. And we're also not trying to discourage you from reading the Bible because we like reading the Bible ourselves. We encourage you to read the Bible. Uh, I say read it over and over, read it from cover to cover. Um, because if you don't know what's in it, then how can you commit, how, how can you honestly say that you are committed to following a book? You're dedicated your life to following a book. How can you say that honestly if you don't even know what's in it? Yeah. So our goal today is just to, um, we're going to show, I mean, some of these are pretty difficult passages to deal with, especially um, as a Christian, it may be difficult to digest. But we're not in any way going to take them out of context. We're going to have honest conversations about them. Um, but we may not arrive at the same conclusion that you might would hear in Sunday school. Is that and, fair? And ultimately, I think, and this is just my opinion, I think these things aren't determining of your faith. I think if you, I think you can take the Bible for what it is. With it, with the good and the bad and the ugly, and still have Christian faith, you you don't have to try to explain away. You can, I mean, this is it is what it is. This is what these people thought, and as times moved on, the point of view and faith has changed. Right, and these passages, <laughs> yeah, and these passages are directly from the Bible. We're gonna try to cover all the context. Not we're not being dishonest, and it's I mean it, you have to deal with them. You have have to confront them, whether you're Christian or not, if you want to honestly study the Bible. I mean, these are just things that you got to deal with. Um, so I'll start us off today. We're going to be talking about Bad Stuff in the Good Book, Part 1, Slavery and Women. The Bible has a lot to say about both, and uh, we're going to just look at some passages. So in, this ep in these episodes, um, Joe Allen is going to be hearing some of this stuff for the first time. Uh, he's not a huge Bible reader. Would you say you're a big Bible reader? No. <clears throat> not at all. <laughs> uh, which he said several times. Uh, we like picking on him sometimes. but um, So some of this stuff he's going to hear for the first time. So he, he may, <laughs> you may not even, you know, believe that we're reading this out of the Bible. You get the raw reaction. Yeah. Keep and yourself then, unmuted. I want to hear the gasps. <laughs> and and then another thing I want to do is when we read them, I want to look at it also like an apologist. So maybe like me or Josh, we could play the apologist and give like a, a Christian interpretation. Um, then the other one can kind of push back with the little devil's advocate. So we'll see how it plays out. But, and and I, right. I know I've said before, the whole reading the Bible thing. <clears throat> I'm just more, I've never been big on reading books. Um, I like movies because I can see it and hear it. Uh, I like podcasts now since that's come out. But as far as like, uh, like even in school, like when I went to welding school, we had books just like you would in high school or whatever. Uh, but even like reading those, it's just, I guess it's hard for me to comprehend a lot of stuff. So it's better for me to do like hands-on and that's the best way I can kind of 
Yeah. Uh, the He's got different learnings, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go home. Yeah. And as a teacher, I think that about 90% of students probably are in the same, feel the same. For some reason, everybody hates reading. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would always get distracted really easy. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And part of it is just, I mean, we got so much easy access to podcast. Like I just listen to audio books now. I hardly ever read an actual book. Yeah. All yeah, right, so let's start any, any of you are offended that I don't read the Bible, send me a, <laughs> if you find an audio book of the Bible, send it to me. I'll, read, I'll listen to it. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's out there. All right. We're going to start off. This one we have mentioned in a previous episode. Um, so we want to look at maybe some more thoughts around it. And this one you can find in First Peter 2 and 18. We're going to start off with some slavery verses. And this verse is First Peter 2, 18. It says, Slaves, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only the good and considerate, but also the harsh. So we have the writer of first Peter encouraging slaves to subject themselves to even harsh masters. What do you think about that? I'm glad I didn't live in those times. I mean, cause it's like, I'm totally against slavery anyway, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Hopefully <laughs> everyone listening is. Just We'll just go ahead and, uh, spoiler alert, we're against slavery. <laughs> so what do you, so what would you think about that verse? I think that it's, uh, I mean, it's obviously an endorsement of slavery. It's giving command. It's not saying there's no command in the Bible that says, Hey, maybe owning people is not a good idea. There's, it's always about uh, how you should treat your slaves or how slaves should respond to their owner, so to speak. Right. It's almost like slavery is a given. Yeah. It's like in, in, the Bible seems to have a view that slavery is always going to be around. So you have to just endure it if you're a slave. Um. I'll say this. So there is some surrounding context to this one. I'll play the apologist. You okay. push back on on a little bit. Okay, so the idea is that slaves should be subject even to harsh masters because even if they're getting treated poorly or abused, um, that they are experiencing uh, Christ-likeness and that Jesus was also suffered unjustly. Um, so... Peter's giving that analogy there, or that comparison, that their suffering is is similar to the suffering of Christ. Um, do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I think I would I would push back on that and say that Christ's suffering. This is, this is something, I guess, that I've never really understood. Like anytime, like, our suffering is compared to that of Christ. Like, Christ's suffering was the wrath of God being poured out for sin. I, I would say that to primarily, though, that's a Calvinist viewpoint. Uh, because, like, from growing up, in the assemblies of God, we didn't ever hear that it was wrath. We just heard that it was. He died know, for our sins. Yeah, his, his blood was shed. Was like so he suffered at the hands of people, but God turned his face and and couldn't bear to watch it. That kind of thing. And it wasn't until later that I actually ever heard that he suffered wrath. Okay. Well, I was most recently probably. Calvinist, so we're going to have to go right, okay. with that. Yeah. Run, run with it. <laughs> we're going out from that perspective. So I would say that I don't think you can make that comparison because there is there should be no suffering. There should be no wrath left. Oh, interesting. Because Jesus took the punishment, so there shouldn't be, you know, a comparison made 
because yeah, God, I feel like that's two special. totally different things. I mean, looking out, you know, looking at it like that. Yeah. And I guess my main thing with, with this verse, I mean, we live in, in the 21st century, you know, 2023 there's obviously there is probably still slavery. Uh, I know there's groups that fight human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Would you encourage any of those people suffering from human trafficking today, enslavement today, would you tell them to, you know, be submissive to those people who are enslaving you? Yeah. Is this advice <laughs> applicable to today? Absolutely not. And I think no. too, I mean, if we could go back to the spiritual authority conversation where we started, if you replace slaves with Republicans and masters with democratic president, no one is going to want to follow this verse. Republicans don't want to be subject to the Democrat president. Right. Or, or vice versa. Yeah. Same. So, you know, especially as Americans, you know, we're taught freedom, independence, you know, a little bit of rebellion is good. Um, so it's, it's definitely hard from our perspective to wrap your head around this, but even, even without that, I think telling someone that it's best to be subject to someone who owns you claims to own you is not good advice. It's easy to distance ourselves from this. Like when we read it in Peter and we think, Oh, you know, that's a different time, but no, there are still people enslaved today. Uh, there's still people being trafficked. There are still people suffering uh, at the hands of other people who claim to own them. And I think this is terrible advice for those people. I think they need to try to get away, you know, if, if at all possible. Don't subject yourself to that. But Is yeah. there, and this might be something that you plan on talking about later, but is there any argument out there to be made? that slave and master is maybe poor translation. It'd be more like a, like a indentured servitude type thing, employee worker. Uh, no, that there are translations that substitute the word slave for servant. Um, but that's actually a worse substitution and that's used, you know, in part to try to not offend readers of the Bible. But the accurate translation is slave. So, and, and we'll look at, we'll look, so let's keep going because there are, there is a lot of pushback against slavery in the Bible. Um, people say it wasn't the same. Um, it was a lot more, uh, I guess, willingly, and it was a lot kinder and gentler slavery. Um, but that's just not true. <laughs> right? I mean, is there such a thing as kinder slavery? <laughs> I mean, so. Okay, here's here's here you go, John. Let's read this passage. Tell me your thoughts. All right, this is from Leviticus, and this is a this is supposedly God speaking. All right, He is commanding the nation of Israel. And he's telling them where to get their slaves. Okay, what right, what's the says, uh, tell tell me what's the chapter? Leviticus what? Leviticus twenty five and forty four is where we starting. Let me read it. You're hugging the mic. Go ahead, go ahead. ahead. I'll read it. Okay. Uh, Leviticus 25, verse 44 through 46. Your male and female slaves are to come from the nations around you. From them, you may buy slaves. You may also buy some of the temporary residents living among you and members of their clans born in your country, and they will become your property. You can bequeath them to your children as inherited property and can make them slaves for life, but you must not rule over your fellow Israelites ruthlessly. So we've got slavery and racism all bunched together in one verse. (laughs) So God is telling the Israelites they can purchase slaves or make slaves of foreigners and Pass them and on d- to their kids. And then hand them Probably. down to their kids. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, I don't think there's any argument to be made that that's like indentured servitude. It is clear as day that these people are property, that they're just something to own. So is there yeah. any, uh, just reading that, it, do you think there is any um, justification for it? Any defense for that verse? Yeah, I was gonna try to play devil's advocate, but I got nothing. That's a yeah. hard. That's a hard one. And it, I mean, the defense of it usually comes from other passages found throughout the Bible, like uh, treat foreigners with kindness. Um, you know, don't. You know, slavery is often tied to. Uh, they'll take the verses that are about their fellow Israelites, the Hebrew slaves, and how they're supposed to be treated. Um, and try to apply that to biblical slavery as a whole. But the last part of this passage, I mean, it completely overturns that idea because it says you must not rule over your fellow Israelites ruthlessly. So it's making a distinction there between fellow Israelites and slaves that you get from foreign countries. Mm-hmm. So is that implying that the the non-Israelite slaves you can be ruthless to? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, and then they're your property forever. Like you pass them, like Joe Allen pointed out, like you can, in the context, making sure we're covering context. This is in Leviticus 25. That's the year of Jubilee section and talks about how if you own Hebrew servants, they get to go free. However, and here it's separating those two, um, foreign slaves don't get to go free at the year of Jubilee. You can pass them down to your kids. They're your property. Have you ever heard any of this before? What? Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't think it's really preached on all that much. (laughs) <laughs> no, I would imagine. you don't hear a whole lot of that. And when I have heard any reference to slaves and masters, it's always been like Josh said, uh, um, employer-employee style relationship, right? And I have even had you know debates with people about this, and that's the that's kind of the go-to that it was more of like a the way an NBA owner owns players, like it's a working relationship. Um, but I don't think that's yeah. comparable. Yeah, tell at all. that to the slave themselves, though. <laughs> Pretty right. sure I'll see, and, see uh, it totally different. And this next verse, I think, kind of confirms that. So let's read it. Exodus twenty-one twenty. You want to read it? Sure. <laughs> Anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result but they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two, since the slave is their property. Exodus 21, 20 through 21. So I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of NBA owners mm-hmm. beating NBA players <laughs> because they're their prop- property. Um, to me, this is just absolutely insane. Yeah. Is there any yeah. redeeming quality to this verse? Not, and that, that's one of them I have heard too. You've heard but, that one? Yeah. Basically, I mean, you can beat them how you want as long as they don't die. You know, basically yeah. exactly what it says. I mean, that's I mean, exactly really what it says. The, have you ever heard a defense of this, Josh? Um. I mean, the, the go-to defense is this is Old Testament. So it's the, right. the Old Covenant. And I would just kind of ask why that matters. I mean, why was it okay in the old point? So God was okay with slavery at one point, but now he's not. Like, uh, yeah, I don't really. It's it, it's hard for me. I never, I never had to come up with a defense for these when I was a pastor or, or whatever. Did you ever have anybody 
bring this to your attention or ask questions about it? Not slavery. Maybe the next topic we talk we'll talk about uh, with women's rights and stuff. But no. So I mean, I just how would you like? I guess the defense I've heard is that slavery was just a product of the time and that this verse is actually protecting slaves because it's telling the the owners that they're not allowed to kill their slaves. Now, they can beat them. Beating's not off the table. And they can beat them pretty harshly. There's some more context that says, you know, if you beat them hard enough that they lose an eye, which is pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Then they get to go free. Um, but I guess if they don't lose an eye or, or anything like that, they're still your property. And as long as they recover after a couple of days, you're off the hook. I just don't see yeah. I don't see a, a legitimate defense for that. It's almost and like the fact that that's Go ahead, Wood. It's it, it's almost like they're trying to reassure the slave that it's okay. As long as you don't, or uh, if you die, you know, we're going to get there. You're going to get your master. So it's going to be okay. You know, but uh. yeah, like maybe, maybe that's supposed to be comfort to the slave. I don't know. Uh, I know if I was a slave, it wouldn't be very comforting, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, just, I don't, I don't, there's no defense of that. That makes sense to me. Even just dismissing it as Old Testament, I think. What so? What does that say about the character of God if He is just, you know, the whole the whole thing about Israel is that they're supposed to be set apart from these other cultures, other nations. Why do they have to follow the same practices? Couldn't God just say, "Don't own people"? Didn't you make that point already? Yeah. So, well, maybe this isn't. Yeah, because jumping too okay, far sorry. off. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, if God created everyone equal, why are slaves any different? Exactly. That's a good point. So. And the only defense that I could think you could come up with is that Israel was God's chosen people. So at the time he was focusing on them and not all the other nations. That's the direction I was about to go. So this is pure speculation. Like this is fantasy world, but maybe a possibility for this is that maybe these things are attributed to God. But this is, you know, Isra Israelites' way of, they get bullied a lot, right? They're constantly exiled or conquered. Maybe this is their way of flexing. Like, God's told us that we can rule over these other people, that we can enslave them. And they attributed these things to God. This is just a story that the Israelites came up with, too. So, you, you, let, yeah, let me ask y'all both this. So do you think this is kind of a reflection that there may be a little more of a human element to the Bible than we were taught to believe? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. My whole view of the Bible now is that it's just, I think God gets, things are attributed to God that he had nothing to do with. It was just people's way of trying to figure out the world. Like Israelites constantly like, oh, there's a famine or we got conquered. Like God must be mad at us. I'm like, oh, things have worked out. God's not mad at us anymore. And like that was just kind of their way of, you know, figuring, navigating through the ebbs and flows of life. Is attributing these things to God. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the only thing that, that, that makes the most sense to me. I think it, if you're looking at it honestly, You've either got to accept the fact that God, a hundred percent here, condones slavery and even commands how to manage it, mm -hmm. or that this is most likely uh, the work of these men writing this book. Yeah, and 
And and that's not to say you can't believe that God inspired the Bible, but in my own personal opinion, you know, you have to change. You have to be willing to um, question whether or not some of this stuff is from God. And I think this these verses are worthy of quite challenging and questioning like that. Um, yeah. And a lot of times I'll see people or hear people say, like you were saying, they dismiss the Old Testament. <clears throat> but if you're going to stand by what the Bible says, then stand by it and don't try to dismiss half of the Bible because, oh, that was the Old Testament. That was way too far back, you know? Yeah, you get, I mean, everybody, everybody, every Christian does it. They pick and choose out of the Old Testament what they want to hold on to. Like people will say, like, I mean, we just talked about tithing, like it's in the, like that's Old Testament, but, oh, but this, 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 and this, and this is like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's either two covenants, everything in the old covenant has been fulfilled, satisfied, and now the new covenant's in place, or there's just, I mean, I don't know, it's the whole covenant thing is confusing to begin with. Yeah, maybe. it seems like there had to be a better way. Yeah, maybe like, that's a future episode. <laughs> I mean, it seems like God could have communicated a little more clearly than we're told he did So <laughs> with the covenants. But um, let's look at one more slavery one, and then I think that'll kind of lead into our next uh, category of verses. Um, I'll read this one, and then I'll just leave it open for you guys to discuss. Um, it says, this is Exodus 21 and 7 through 10. Okay. It says, if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to foreign people since he's dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. Now here's the thing. The son, if he takes another wife, so he's obviously, if he's not happy with her, he can take another wife. He shall not diminish her food, clothing, and her marriage rights. So he's still got to feed her and clothe her. Um, <clears throat> but it's essentially saying a man can sell his daughter. And then this is giving instruction to the person who buys the daughter. He can't treat her like male slaves, which I guess is kind of nice. But if she doesn't please him, he can let her go. Even though he can't sell her to a foreign people, he can let her be bought back by her father or I guess uh, give her to his son, it seems. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. I mean, this stuff is just so insane. Like, what kind of... I mean, I understand different times and, and stuff, but I, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident. I mean, you would think that throughout history, parents, which, I mean, I guess this stuff like this probably, I'm sure, in third world countries or something, this, some version of this is happening today. But it's just hard for me to fathom. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean... Obviously, people back then didn't look at their child like we do today. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously not if you're willing to sell them, sell them, or right. sacrifice them, even. <clears throat> but my thing is, yeah. So, and here's what I've heard said is that in the Old Testament. You know, God is setting up this nation for Israel. And this is, is, but my question is, is this the best that God could do? Is this the picture of a perfect nation? I mean, if yeah, God really absurd. wanted to set Israel apart, like we're told, he wanted to make a holy people, man, he could have, he could have given them some radically different commandments. Like in this in this um, 
nation, we're not going to sell our daughters. You know, we're not going to own other people. Uh, like he could have given them commandments to look more like the world looks like today, which I think we all agree is a much better world to live in than back then. Uh, and they would have really stood out. What do you think about that? That's that's just crazy to. Is this the picture of a perfect nation to you? (laughs) And maybe this is a, maybe this isn't too, I mean, just out there, but it would seem to me like if you correlate, if the goal is the perfect nation and you look at God's power in Genesis one, I mean, he just spoke things into existence. He created a substance that filled the people, that filled Adam and Eve with the knowledge. Why not do that again? But hey, maybe this time, the tree of human rights or whatever. (laughs) You take a bite of that apple, baby, and you know how to treat people. Or you just snap your fingers, speak the perfect land into existence, and then plant a couple of human right trees and bada bing bada boom that's it well we've got garden of eden (laughs) 2.0 that's like whenever he like when the flood happened that should have been when he just like started completely over and said all right it will be perfect this time don't you know put all that nonsense in there you know yeah that's it so that's a super Interesting. That's something I've never thought of. Did you just come up with that on the spot? Yes. <laughs> so if, if in a fruit that Adam and Eve ate can contain the knowledge of good and evil, why, why is, why are we struggling with all these like archaic commands and like trying to whip this people into shape whenever they, he could just create a fruit that that's, that's an interesting point. I've never even thought about that. What's what's the fuss over everybody not being able to get this right if there is other options like that <laughs> and that we have examples of? So, I don't know. Any more thoughts on slavery before we move on? Don't do it. Yeah. And, and here, I got this question. I got this question for you, Jalen. So, could you say that slavery in all its forms, would, would you be willing to say that it is evil? Slavery is definitely evil. Okay. Now, here's my question. If, if you are a believer who takes the Bible seriously and believes that these commands are commands from God, would you be able to say that slavery is evil? What what does saying that mean for a Christian who believes the Bible is inerrant and that these are commands from God? I think people need to do their research because stuff like this in the Bible, I mean, you can't. You can't defend you, it. <laughs> you can't. I mean, you can't. But, and also if you agree that that's the words of God, you can't call slavery evil because then you're suggesting that That God, God either, you know, condoned something that was evil or, um, commanded it. I mean, there's no, no way around that to me. Like as someone who doesn't view the Bible as inerrant, I can say, Clear conscience, slavery is bad. Slavery is evil. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Ever. But I don't see how you can say that and then also claim that the Bible's perfect word of God. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> can you? You cannot. <laughs> I don't see how you could do that. In my opinion, I should say. All right. So we talked about female slaves. I yeah. feel like I'm talking way too In our much. Opinion. No, I think this is good. You said yes. <laughs> okay. 
All right, said, so yeah, let's look at in our opinion. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's look at some verses about women. So we'll, we'll move from female slaves. So, and that kind of leads into this conversation. So women were obviously viewed as, you know, something that could be bought and sold. Um, <laughs> so there's even verses that apply actual prices, isn't there? Yeah. So let's look at that. So let's look at the pro- the value of women compared to that of men. So in, in this instance, um, where are you getting this information from? <laughs> if only this was book here. If only this was uh, all put together in a nice book, easy to read. <laughs> well, maybe we'll discuss this book another day. <laughs> um, all right. So this is a passage. <laughs> I want, I want you to think about, right? Are women as valuable as men in God's eyes? And here we have a passage where, um, God puts a specific value on people who are being dedicated to, uh, serve in his service. And this is from Leviticus 27 verses is one through seven. Uh, I'll just read it. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if anyone makes a special vow to dedicate a person to the Lord by giving the equivalent value, set the value of a male. This is a male between the ages of 20 and 60 at 50 shekels of silver. Right. And then he says for a female set her value at 30 shekels. Right? He, and then he goes on through different ages. For a um, person between the ages of 5 and 20, set the value of a male at 20 shekels and the value of a female at 10. And so throughout the entire thing, males are always, males of the same age are always worth more than females of the same age. Roughly double. Double Almost double. Yeah, double in some instances, and then, but always quite a bit more. So the price of a man is more valuable than a woman. What do you think about that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is another one of those verses that I've read the Bible cover to cover, but I must have dozed off during the whole Leviticus stuff. <laughs> and again, I mean, this is stuff yeah. that people don't like to read. Um, but when you do read it, it's easy to just gloss over. But when you stop and think about it, what's being implied here? I mean, you can't argue the implication <laughs> is that a man is worth more than a woman. You agree? Yes. Um, I do. So let me let me play okay. devil's advocate. That's what we need. Um, again, I don't, I'm just taken for what you said. I don't have the full context, but my argument would be, this isn't talking about the value of their life. It's their, the phys- the value of the physical work that they could do in service to the Lord. Yeah. What they bring to the table. Men are stronger. So in most cases. So are you saying God approves of the wage gap here? <laughs> that women should only make 50 cent to the Again, dollar. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate. This is not my personal opinion. Right. I know. <laughs> but, we, but we need to play, like, we'll say play apologist. Yeah. Because I guess we're being the devil's advocate here. <laughs> in, play the, in the view advocate. of some people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so this is, again, this is another thing to me that just shows the bias of the men writing this passage. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I certainly don't think females would, would view themselves as less valuable or their work as less valuable. Yeah. This is again, something I think that is attributed to God. That is most certainly the writings of men. That's again, I think worth, challenging now if somebody disagrees or somebody has a, an explanation for this we'd love to hear it you know send us a message comment on the, on the post we're not again we're not trying to be harsh we're not trying to um we're not making fun of these verses 
we are simply taking the Bible, reading passages, and you know, challenging or asking ourselves what they what are they saying? What does it imply? Um, but not to just sit here and dwell on on one passage. So again, with with the male female thing, the comparison. Here is something that is, it's, again, this is interesting to me. I'll let Josh read this one. Well, I'll read this one. Okay, now I'll let you read it. So this is in, in Leviticus 12. This one? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can find it in Leviticus 12. Again, Leviticus is pretty harsh for women and slaves. So if I sit down, um, it looks like this is God speaking. This is God speaking. And then it's, it's, I just uh, edited it out a little bit. Um, that, it, right? that does not affect the context. Uh, but sure, it's pretty obvious what's being said here. Speak to the Israelites, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, she shall be unclean seven days. Her time of blood purification shall be 33 days. If she bears a female child, she shall be unclean two weeks. Her time of blood purification shall be 66 days. Okay. So if a woman has a male child, she's unclean for seven days. But if she has a girl, she's unclean for two weeks. Why on earth, no, especially knowing what we know about childbirth now, what makes her unclean less days for having a boy? What are your thoughts here in that, uh, John? <laughs> there's there's just uh, no way to defend any of this. There's no explanation. There's no Except difference. A, a bunch of I mean, uh, a, guys. A child. A child don't matter. Except, yeah, the only explanation <laughs> is that they viewed males as more valuable than females. The people who wrote this book of the Bible. Right. I, I have a hard time even saying God inspired that because what does that say about God? In, in all these instances, males are more valuable than females. Uh, females, yeah, what does that say I guess about in this life? case, are dirtier than males. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And that, mean, that idea... That... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you were saying, what does that say about God? Like, yeah, I mean, how it just shows you how he feels about women. Women, if yeah, and that's a big if. This is you know, this is God's words, God's words, yeah. and not influenced by the men of that time. Um, right. But it's and it's not just Old Testament. So this kind of this view of women, we see women can, I guess can be dirty. <laughs> we see it in Revelation. In Revelation, in chapter 14, uh, it's talking about the 144,000. Y'all heard that, right? The 144,000 in the tribulation mm -hmm. and all that. Yep. Uh, but here's how they're described. It says, this is 14 verse 3. Um, it says, no one could, they're talking about singing a new song in heaven. Uh but it says no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who have been redeemed from the earth. And then verse four, it says, it is these who have not defiled themselves with women for they are virgins. So the men like virginity in this sense is, is a virtue because they haven't defiled themselves with women. Uh, again, what do we say? What What's the idea about women here? <laughs> I mean, this is this is a little bit. I'm just all over the place tonight. But it, it even sets the precedent. I mean, what what a what a way to start the book off. If you're a man who thinks women are beneath you, but is by having them cause them the fall for all of human race. Hmm. 
They're like, oh, I got a great idea, guys. Let's cause the, let's make the women the cause of sin entering the world. Okay, so so this kind of, this uh this male bias, so to speak, is kind of there from the get go. Let me push back on that a little bit. So, I mean, obviously Adam uh, is guilty too. Mm-hmm. He's suffering too. Like, he got punished too. So how does that... Well, as the apologetic in this conversation, it's because uh, he was passive. He's supposed to be the priest of his family. He's supposed to be the leader. He should not have even that even then happened. in the garden. Adam was supposed to be. Were Adam and Eve equal in the garden? Well, there's the verse in uh, is it Hebrews maybe where it talked about the woman was taken from his, or maybe it's just marriage vows that I've heard the woman's taken from his rib, not to rule over him or his feet to trip. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a uh, marriage vows, but yeah. I, I don't know that that's um, that's interesting. Have to look more into that. Um, so, but okay. So, but what you are saying is, even in the New Testament, women still seem to take this this place of less than a man, and that's why. That's what it says. That's what Paul says in First Timothy is that because the woman was deceived and not the man, yeah. uh, that's why she's the one that's getting. I guess, uh, and I guess the argument would be, and I think we touched on this in a, in a previous episode where there's Paul names women who are clearly leaders in the church and, uh, and things like that and shows examples of women. And I think, I don't think that's the argument. I don't think that argument works as to like defend these or argue away these. I think that just shows the Bible is not speaking with one voice. That is obviously different points of view throughout the Bible. It's not one consistent story. Yeah. And I agree with that. Um, all right. So let's look at that verse. This is from first Timothy two, nine through 15. And I'll ask some questions after I read it. Here's what it says. You can look it up if you're following along. And I think most of these verses are from the NIV. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're wondering that's problem right there. <laughs> The nearly inspired version. Am I right, guys? There you go. <laughs> All right. So this verse says, I also, this is supposedly Paul speaking here. He says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propi- propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or por- pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess the worship of God. Verse 11 says, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. He says, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. And and you can't say that this is only a cultural thing because here's here's the further context. He, He gives a reason. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. All right, so we got a lot of of burden put on women right here that you don't see followed in church, and the the excuses are often, or the uh, reasoning is often that this is a cultural um, command, um, but he doesn't he doesn't give that as a reason. He says specifically what what Josh was just saying about uh, Eve being deceived. So that's the reason women have to hold a place lower than men. Can the argument be made? I don't know if this is just the verse you read. Did you, was this summarized at all? Or, no, no, that's, that's straight out. Okay, he says, I, I want, I also want. Right, yeah. I do not permit. Could the argument made, like, this is just Paul's issue? I mean, again, you had, you'd okay. have to change your view on, an air, on, on the inspired inspiration. But uh, it seems to me just from that, that it would be Paul's. I would need to read the full chapter, but that... 
or whoever wrote First Timothy. This is one of the ones that's yeah scholars would disagree that Paul wrote it. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's that's a good point. <clears throat> Go ahead. I was going to say that's where the whole Bible and inspired word of God is just confusing because you're basically having to put your trust in these guys to be putting in there exactly what God told them and them not, you know, changing it up a little bit to fit them. 100%. Because people always want to quote the lean not on your own, own understanding. Like God's ways are higher than our ways. There is absolutely no way that you cannot lean on human interpretation of the scripture because it was originally written in a different language. We do not have original copies who is, as it's been translated and written down, who knows what's been, I mean, you cannot argue that it has not been changed. It has, there's, there's no argument to be made. Like you have, and you have to lean on the understanding of those interpreting it. We have to lean on the understanding of those who put the, the canon together because they had criteria that had to be met. Like there's no way to not lean on human understanding for this. And then you, I mean, you've got the extreme. I mean, I've even had people tell me this, like, uh, you don't understand because you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I do. <laughs> I have heard that too, that the, <laughs> that the Bible is spiritual and the carnal mind doesn't understand it. But that that's just a cop out because <laughs> that's, I mean, you're reading, you're reading very clearly the words of someone who is saying, they don't permit a woman to teach or assume authority over man. She must be quiet. And this goes right along with first Corinthians 14, 34, where Paul says women should remain silent in church. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. As the law says, verse 35 then says, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Very straightforward. Doesn't take a whole lot of anything to uh, understand what's being said there. Yet, I think most churches, and there's a lot of, of, there are churches that will take this and hold to it. But a lot of churches push back on that. And I think that shows the value of challenging some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, just because you're a a man doesn't mean you're a good leader. Doesn't mean you you would make a good pastor or whatever. Like the church I attend now, there are some incredible female leaders like that, that helped shape me as a leader. Uh, like yeah uh, no <laughs> doubt <laughs> it is just i mean you would be i mean the organization the last church that i worked at if you remove the women from that organization the ones that are in leadership that organization crumbles hey absolutely and i mean i saw this uh, argument on facebook the other day because a guy i'm friends with uh he was a friend of mine um when we were going to church in Lynnhaven. And I guess he he's at a church now that has a woman pastor. And all he did, he just complimented her on Facebook and just said, like, praise God for women who are, you know, for godly women, even godly women pastors or something. And then a huge debate broke out, <laughs> obviously, between guys who take these passages seriously and then him and some others who wanted to quote exceptions, which was, you know, um, like Ruth and Esther and, and, you know, uh, Mary Magdalene and then the women Paul mentions in his letters. So he, that they were basing everything on exceptions, challenging this very clear verse. Whereas the other guys in the comment section were, you know, putting forth what, what's clearly stated in the Bible. So, I mean, it shows that, that there's a lot of disagreement, even between Christians. 
Um, I don't know. What do y'all think? I agree with what Josh said. I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of the women pastors that I've heard preach, I mean, they are just as good, if not better than the, than the males. Absolutely. I've heard some very good women pastors and then there's, you know, women singers, women, uh, teachers, Sunday school teachers who have influenced me a lot. Uh, so I've benefited a lot from women in leadership positions. I, I just, my, I guess my thing is if, if the people who value women in leadership in church like that are willing to question these verses and their cultural, the fact that they are coming out of a culture, why can't we do that? Or why are they not willing to do that with other parts of the Bible? Yeah, that's a good question. It, and again, I, I think we've touched on it before. What was that? <laughs> Where people just blindly, like they get a bias and then they, they just blindly defend it. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of defense, because it's, you know, it's disagreement with what they, their bias so all right a couple more passages i mean i think we've kind of made our point i don't want to i don't want to get too repetitive just brief uh, overview here let's wrap this so up. we got we could go over in deuteronomy 22 you've got a lot of stuff that is worth looking at if you're curious about this and if if you claim to accept the Bible as the word of God, you need to look at these passages and you need to ask what is God suggesting here? Um, we've got, if a man takes a, a wife and then he claims that she was not a virgin and they can't give any proof, this is Deuteronomy 20, 13, 22, 13, sorry. And uh, nobody can provide proof. So he's claiming she's not a virgin. Her parents can't provide proof that she was a virgin. Um, she's to be taken and stoned. So she's to be killed for not being a virgin on her wedding night. Uh, and it's it's black and white. You can read it. It's purity culture to the extreme. That's I mean, that is purity <laughs> culture. Oh, that's something we could talk about a little bit. but um, And then farther on down... Uh, in Deuteronomy 22, down around verse verse 23, uh, if a woman is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and he basically rapes her, then you bring both of them to the gate and stone them. And it says, the young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, so she didn't scream loud enough for help, and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, you'll, you'll put away the evil from among you. So a woman uh, gets raped in the city. She doesn't scream loud enough. She gets killed. <laughs> what do you think of that? That's, That's pretty unreal to me. It's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... And then in verse 28, it says, if a, if a man finds a young woman who is a virgin, now this is another wild one to me, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, so he rapes her again, and they're found out, then the man who laid with her shall give the young woman's father 50 shekels of silver. So he rapes her, but then he, he if he gets found out, if he gets caught, he has to pay her father money, and then she shall be his wife and he's not allowed to divorce her. The so guy rapes a woman, has to pay her dad, but then she has to be his wife and he can't divorce yeah. her. Like what? <laughs> hmm. it's nuts. I, <clears throat> I was thinking about, and, you know, the, what we're talking about is just crazy. Like, think about if in today's society, 
if we got a president, he took away women's rights and basically said all of this stuff, you know, no more women preachers. Do you know how if he put laws like the, like are in the Bible? Right. If he took away women's rights and and reinstituted <laughs> slavery. <laughs> well, not even just not even that, but just focused on the women. I mean, this country would be in an uproar, you know, and that president would. He not making no long. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. So if, if a president just simply implemented the Bible, the the Old Testament, the Old Testament, sure, we'll we'll make that distinction. Um, we'll have to do another episode on on the covenants. But it took the words of God as they're found in the Old Testament. If these are the words of God, they should be the perfect blueprint for a society, right? And actually implemented those. I mean, this country would revolt. Like, I mean, that would be a terrible place to live. Yeah. So how do you reconcile these passages with our view of God as, as loving and compassionate and full of grace? And omniscient, I guess, all wise, all powerful. Like, what's the deal with these passages? Hmm. Anybody? Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing I can I think mean, is that they they must not reflect God. Yeah. They must be the product of a culture of men who may have believed they were inspired, but obviously were just pulling ideas from the nations around them, stuff that they had already... I mean, I think it's just a product of men's imagination. And I'm not I'm not making some kind of claim with that statement, like, you know, bashing the Bible or God. I'm just saying that is the best explanation to me. Yeah. And I mean, I still think, and I know we opened with this so we can close with this, this conversation can be had within Christianity. It needs to be. Christ, yeah, Christianity doesn't rise and fall with justifying the Bible's views on on slavery and, and women's rights. Like the whole basis of Christianity is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the, mm-hmm. I mean, you can attribute these other things to the writings of men and Christianity is still okay. Yeah, Absolutely. I think you can contribute the entire Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, as being written by men. And you can, and this is what we do anyway, like we showed with the women be silent passages. You can pick the good parts, ignore the bad parts, and that doesn't mean that you can't be a Christian. Like, Christians, whenever, you know, in the book of Acts, you look at Christianity, they didn't have a Bible, right? right? And they were being preached that they were not under the law. So they didn't spend a whole lot of time reading the Old Testament. I would imagine. So, I mean, they're just people who believed they had a relationship with Jesus and they lived the best life they could and gathered together, helped the poor. Um, they didn't depend on scripture like we, for some reason, have adopted today. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't have. They didn't have the Bible, and yeah. people are quick to quote. Was it Second Timothy three sixteen? All scriptures God breathed. Yeah, like Paul had no idea what he was when he was or whoever wrote that whenever he was writing that, that that would be considered scripture because the new Testament did not exist. Yeah. I think in first Corinthians seven, I think it's the very last verse in that chapter. I think if you go look, I don't want to pull it up right now, but just take my word for it. Um, (laughs) Spiritual. Paul is, he's talking about some ideas he had 
and he says, uh, he says, these are not from the Lord. This is yeah. from me. And then, but then he adds on, but I think I have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't entirely sure, but he thinks he did. Uh, so he thought that those were inspired ideas. So I think a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot in the Bible. If, if somebody takes an honest approach that is best explained by this was a product of a culture at a certain time in history, not the inspired word of God. You may not like that, but I think, I mean, but you have to, if, if you don't, you have to honestly deal with these passages in some other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just final just thoughts, like Josh put said. Put a bow on it. Yeah. Uh, TJ summed it up pretty good. Yeah. Slavery I bad, mean, women good. <laughs> follow us at Holy Shift Pod. <laughs> I, I mean, this is our, this is our first ex- or can't, or should you? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think you, I think you should pick and choose. You should read it. Uh, like the old analogy about the fish. If you're eating a fish, you have to take out the meat, eat the meat, and spit out the bones. I I think that same thing applies with uh, with the Bible. Um, but anyway, so this is our first attempt at this this style of um podcast here where we just go through scriptures we won't do this all the time yeah because i feel like it's less conversational but if you liked it it was a little tough (laughs) yeah if if you liked it give us a thumbs up um we'll we'll post this one and and then we'll do some others before we do another one like this even if you didn't like it yeah, go ahead and like it. Anyways. Don't give us our... these numbers up, suckers. <laughs> yeah, give us, <laughs> yeah. give us five stars here. Somebody's leaving four stars. Spot Whoever you are, we're going to find <laughs> out. <laughs> See you guys next week as we continue the Holy Shift Podcast. Peace.